0: Welcome to Light in the Dark Podcast, I am your host, Lady B. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to stress the words, trigger warning. Topics discussed today may be triggering to some. You have been warned. Also, neither I nor the guest are licensed therapists, psychologists, counselors, etc. We are only sharing our experiences and or testimonies. If you need a licensed therapist, psychologist, counselor, etc, please. Please, please, please seek a licensed therapist, psychologist, counselor, etc. There is no shame in getting your mental health together. I repeat, there is no shame in getting your mental health together. Now on that note, let's start the show. I have with me my sister, Justine, my blood sister, covered by the blood of Jesus, my blood sister. <laughs> I have oh, with you, sister. You like to introduce
1: yourself while I get called Yes, ma'am. My name is Jestine Williams. Actually I'm uh out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I'm a mother of three, grandmother of ten. And uh, I have a nonprofit organization called Survivor for Life. We my my husband and I, uh, my late husband and I, we started this nonprofit uh back in 2010, uh, we wanted to uh, give something back to the community. So we felt like this would be a great opportunity to come up with something. Some of the trials and tribulations that we faced as uh, young, young people uh, just want to be loved. And so we had our trials and our tribulations and by the grace of God, we overcame a lot of them. And uh, we came back together after 20 something years and when we came back together, We came back together for a purpose. I knew that it was a purpose because of how it happened. And so we came up with Survive for Life.
0: I guess I'll go ahead and put the disclaimer out there. I'm not a therapist. Uh, So the topics that we both discuss are trauma-related topics, but I'm not a therapist. Um, I don't claim to be a therapist. If you need help, then seek a therapist, but I am not it. Uh, we basically on here to tell our stories, tell our testimonies, and let people know that like, hey, you are not alone in whatever the trauma is that you are going through. Um, you can go from trauma to healing. Um, and so today's topics that we will discuss are shame and low self-esteem. And we're gonna try to stay on topic, but hey, sometimes we get off topic, but it's still good. Yes, it is, yes, it is.
1: <laughs> and, and I think sometimes when we get off topics, uh it's because we have been through so much and all the topics that you had outlined and put out there uh i think i can touch just about all of them you know and so by the grace of god i survived it and so it's okay if i do get back up you know get off track i'll get back on you know so it's always good to share with the people in our community
0: true true all right so what do you want to talk about like as far as shame goes
1: well, actually, shame, uh, shame for me started at a very young age. Uh, I was maybe between the ages of four and five years old. Uh, that's when my parents were you know, together. And uh, my mother would be out sometimes with her girlfriends. And I know that my dad be at home babysitting. And a lot of times, her girlfriends would come over, whether they stopped by to check and see if she was at home or because they knew she wasn't at home. I don't know. But anyway, they would stop by, and I know I noticed that sometimes my dad would go in the back room with them and shut the door, and I'd be sitting on the couch watching TV, but I'd be watching that door, too. And so, uh, I don't know, as a kid, I just had that instinct that it was wrong. And so, uh, I noticed that that would happen, and then my mother come home, and so he would act like nothing had happened. Even at five years old, I just knew something. You know, we have that just instinct. And so, I felt bad for her. I uh, I know how I, I knew as a kid how much she loved my dad. And so uh, as time went on, I kind of felt bad for her because I couldn't uh, tell her what was going on, but I knew it was something going on. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, my dad and mom would fuss and he would fight her. And so that was very painful for me. And it I was ashamed of him uh acting out like he did instead of uh finding other ways to treat her he uh he was physical and that affected me and caused me to feel i guess bad because uh you know it would leave scars scars on the inside and the outside you know and as a kid we feel that that's how my shame started and then as time went on when my parents uh both passed away uh, five months apart, uh, being my aunt, she stepped in and she started, um, she took on the responsibility of raising us. And so at that time, I may have turned six years old when uh, I was getting ready to start kindergarten. And, and for some reason, I, I really still don't know to this day why she made the announcement. Now, who's who wants to call me mama? And uh, it was uh, nine of us. And it started from maybe one, one and a half years old, my baby sister, up until about 15, you know, uh, that's what the age range was. And so some of them said, yeah, I'm gonna do that. And so it was my brother and I that were real close. And he said, I'm not gonna call her mom. She's not our mother and you better not. And so I was torn between them two, you know, because I love my brother and I looked up to him but I also, uh, I, I like the lady who uh, who was raising us. You know, I was trying to get to know her. I was always trying to be obedient as a kid. Uh, didn't want to have any trouble. Didn't want to cause any trouble. Because I, I felt in my spirit, man, as a kid, that there was something always going on, which would cause me to um, be very nervous as a kid. Nervous, shy, bashful, real quiet. Uh, enjoyed playing by myself. I didn't need any company. It was just me. And I was comfortable, you know, with just being just me. Uh, anyway, uh, the family, the ones that did decide to call her mother, they did. And I I went on ahead uh, and followed my brother. And at that time, uh, I decided I wasn't going to call her mom. I'm just going to call her aunt. And so she decided, she said, okay, if that's how you want to do it, then I tell you what, you wear the clothes that are in the drawer that are wrinkled. And she told my other sisters, uh, you can wear the clothes that are nice and hung up in the closet. So I felt bad. Uh, I felt real. I I was ashamed to go to school because my clothes were wrinkled and things like that, Uh, which made me start. uh, That's how I believe this uh, low self-esteem, you know, came about because the kids would tease me. And so with the, uh, My mother leaving, and I know she was leaving, and she wasn't ever coming back because of me as a kid hearing the conversation that my aunts would have and my dad then would have. I knew that she was leaving; she had left, and she wasn't coming back, which caused me to uh, start wetting the bed. It's all kind of things that uh, we experience when um, there's trauma, you know. Even if the trauma uh, started probably when I used to know when I noticed that my parents fought. I didn't want to call a mom, my aunt, mom. And so, uh, she made me wear the clothes and the the kids teased me. And then I wet the bed and then, it sh- you know, it wasn't any better because she made the announcement when I would wet the bed in front of everyone in the family, she wet the bed, she peed the bed. She's going to, you know, uh, mess up the whole house. She's going to Yeah, she's gonna mess up all the mattresses. And so I started feeling bad, you know? And we gotta be careful how we try to discipline the children because sometimes it lingers until their adulthood adulthood and it affects them. And so I think that's where a lot of my pain, my issues started when I was really young by the upbringing of my aunt. She did the best she could. Uh, She only had one child. And for her to be at the age of 55, trying to raise all uh, nine of her sister's children, she made a promise and that's what she did. And so I don't fault her. Uh, She did the best she can. I I love her. And, you know, uh, when she was bringing us up, uh, I never saw a man in the house. With her raising us, we never went hungry. Uh, There was never a man around because she didn't believe in that because she didn't. Uh, want us to be violated in any area anyway. And so she thought that was one of the ways that she could eliminate that. But that was not so. Because uh, as we got older, I think I was about, I want to say about 10 years old, my cousin, uh, my mother's sister's son, which made that my first cousin, he would uh, sexually, uh, you know, abuse me and my sister. And And I believe that he did that also to my brother, but uh, my brother would never admit to that, you know. So uh, he did that and I was too ashamed to tell anyone. And even though I know that my sister knew that I was getting uh, uh, abused sexually and she was too, but we never made that contact to say, what are we gonna do about it? We just kept it to ourselves. And uh, we just went on. And I didn't know how to approach my aunt, which later on, uh, I think I was maybe nine or 10, I began to call her mom. Uh, So uh, I just didn't know how to tell her because I knew that it would be some more trouble. trouble, And I didn't want the trouble, you know? And so I just took it upon myself to suppress that and just kind of went on with life. But then eventually it would show up. You know, and I, at the time I didn't know that we as kids, we don't know all this, but uh, yeah. And he, he continued to do that. But uh, there was a time in our life that uh, I, I guess, I, you know how sometimes you go through so much trauma, you block out a lot of things. So uh, I think as I was going up, growing up at a, a young age, I, I want to say about 12 or 13, uh, my brothers and them always say, oh, you're you big for your age. So. I think I was about 12, I was uh, held at gunpoint by a man, I went to, I was going to the store to get my brother a newspaper, and some man, he came by and held me at gunpoint, put me in the car, and uh, he raped me, and I didn't quite understand, even at that point, why me, I was so scared, and shook up, and so, but he went to prison, I, I, I remembered some of the things that happened. And I remembered uh, the places I I was, and so I was able to tell my aunt, which was able to tell the police. And so they went and arrested him. And so that was another shameful event that took place in my life. And so, you know, one thing after another, after a while, you start trying to suppress it. But like I said, eventually it leaked out, and it did. That's where I started uh, having a lot of trouble, shame uh i started having abandonment issues
0: things like that so when you like suppress it like you just got numb to it like did that help though well it
1: helped for the at the moment but it then there go the shame again because i was really i was ashamed of what was going on and i couldn't tell anyone because i didn't know what was going to happen um how it was going to happen uh why and i i didn't like all that attention and frustration, and I just didn't like it. So I took up a lot of things and kept it to myself. Which, it, yeah, it wasn't healthy or anything, but that's what I did in order to keep down the trouble in the house, you know. And I felt that maybe they would say, "Oh, she, it's it's you, it's your fault." And I knew that, you know, as as my aunt, I knew how she was, and she probably would have killed him. She wouldn't. She would have killed him in in a heartbeat. You know that's how much she loved and protected us you know uh and you know she was very overprotective of us girls and and my brothers and uh, i appreciate that you know but some things uh we feel comfortable with our uh our relatives and as i as you know as i was growing up i i didn't know i felt comfortable too you know but later on in life as you know as an adult i found out majority of the time it be the the ones that is closest to you that normally uh, do this, you know, do that very act, abusing the children and abusing, you know, sexual abusing uh, the family. That's where it come from. And I, you know, hurting people hurt others, and I'm not making, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, uh, but I do, you know, I have found out that hurting people hurt others, and it goes on, it continues until someone gets some help. And, uh, you know, after he did that, I was too ashamed to look at him, but there was a time in my life after I was in the, uh, I call it in the valley, I went to prison and I had, you know, went to counseling and uh, I sought counseling because I I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of, uh, of myself and the decisions that I made. And uh, so, you know when you go to counseling and therapy, you learn a lot of things. And so I I learned a lot, you know, uh, about myself, finding out it wasn't my fault. And so that helped me. And uh, when I got out of prison, uh, I saw him again, and I was able to face him this time because uh, I was able to, you know, get it out to someone, let people know uh, that I was hurting. You know, I had that one-on-one counseling. And uh, it helped me. And I and I told him, you know, I forgive you for what you did. And
0: so the they you're talking about, like, is that
1: your cousin? Yes, yes. That's- I told him I forgive, you know, I forgive him, and uh, I prayed for him. And he felt so bad. I know he did. I felt bad because I saw the pain. You know, once you get healthy, or uh, once you started finding out a lot about um, how hurting people hurt others then um i don't know i just had compassion for him because i know that he was in a lot of pain and so uh, i could look at him in the eyes when there was a time i couldn't look him in the eye and i looked him in the eye and i saw that he was in a lot of pain mentally and you know mentally because he had lost his best friend which was his mother and so um, I was, like I said, I was able to look at him in his eye and tell him, I, you know, I forgive you, and I'm praying for you. And can we pray. And I did that. Uh, I wanted to make sure I was healthy enough to to do that, and I was, you know. And I prayed for him, and uh, he said thank you, and he dropped his head and he walked off. And at that moment, in my heart, I knew he was sorry. He was uh, in a lot of pain himself and uh I, th- I think maybe a week later he died and and i was i was uh, I was okay with uh praying with him and and telling him that I forgive him for what he had done and um so that was a big burden lifted up off of my shoulder
0: so like did he apologize or did you just offer the "I forgive you because of something that was in you
1: I think it was more or less just me okay. uh without him saying anything i could look in his eyes and tell that he was in a lot of pain and so um my heart went out to him uh when he dropped his head and his uh, body language told me a lot too see i learned a lot and so when you know when you're when you learn about the body languages and and all the the hurt like i say hurt how hurting people hurt others you know you know how uh it feels to hurt so you don't want anyone else to hurt like you did. I thank God that he gave me that type of heart. You know, some people, uh, my sister was, she still uh, have problems with uh, forgiving him. And uh, so I'm glad I was able to to tell him how I felt and that I forgave him and I was able to look him in the eyes. And I think maybe she had to write him a letter and she still kind of every now
0: and then talk, talk about it. So in a way it kind of freed you actually. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and
1: it does. It it does, you know. Um, even with um, uh after a while, uh my aunt would always uh tell me that I I couldn't wear certain clothes because I didn't call her mama or mother or whatever. Uh after a while I was just kinda numb with the kids teasing me about uh, my appearance. Uh, so when I got older and I could do something about it, I made sure I did just that. Uh, I didn't care what it cost. I didn't care how I had to get it by any means necessary. I got it. And I was able to dress like I wanted to. I didn't care how I, I don't care. I didn't care how I had to go about getting it. And then, you know, I got the clothes and I wore the clothes and I got the applause and I got the oohs and the ahs. But. I found out it really wasn't nothing to that, you know, how well I dressed and what I had on at the clubs. And, you know, I found out, you know, in life, it, it's, it, it still wasn't fulfilling enough, you know.
0: So, like, at the moment with the clothes, did it, like, when you had them on, did it help with the low self-esteem? Like, help build it up? Even Oh, yeah, for...
1: Yeah, for a period of time, of course, you know, you got on the best and the latest and and you weren't that thing, you know. Uh, you know, some people said, girl, that, that outfit is bad. Where'd you get that? You can't afford it or whatever. I, you know, I had a real smart mouth uh, uh, because, uh, like I say, hurting people, you know, hurt others. And so I was, uh, at the time, I was what they call filling my oaks. So I was just I was just happy to be able to wear the clothes to, to I guess, kind of fit in, you know? Uh, and I think we all we we all want to fit in, you yeah. know? Uh, then after a while, I was like, ah, it ain't no big deal. There's nothing to it, you know? So um, I stopped going all out my way. I think that uh, after a while, when I went to prison, I spent some time in prison, I found out that I was more freer in there than I was out here trying to keep up, trying to keep up, just a just a spinning wheel, trying to keep up. And now, <laughs> now I look back over my life and I thought, oh boy, I could have did something different. I could have did could have did something better, but I didn't. And so now that I'm able to help someone else, uh, truly I'm blessed by being able to do that. So I look forward to doing that every day being able to if nothing else but you know give them a smile that's
0: probably well i believe that's like the first time i've ever heard someone say that that they felt freer behind bars than out in the free world i didn't have to be
1: bothered with that red race of trying to be something that i really wasn't you know uh uh, I just had to have, I didn't care if the suit was $1,500. It was mine just because I had that attitude. My sister said, you are so arrogant and you're cocky and I can't stand you. And I said, that's that, That's okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, the world see me different. I don't know how the world was seeing me. You know, some people laugh and say, girl, you got it on- going on in your face and behind your back they saying something else. But at the time it felt good and I was out there flashy with the clothes and da, da 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 da. But when I got behind closed doors, I was still uh dealing with a lot of uh trauma. Trauma. Neglect, abandonment, uh shame,
0: guilt. You know, that, that stuff wasn't mine you know? So in a way like being behind bars, kind of sort of like stopped you from pretending to be someone that you wasn't. Like it, it caused you to basically well stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like see yeah. you for like who you are and like accept it. And then like did that lead you towards the start of that healing process, or was that like after you got out?
1: I think it was uh, over a period of time because. Uh, I didn't go to prison, not just one time. I went a couple of times because the first time, uh, I would say that it was rather, it was rather easy because the first time I went to federal prison, it was co-ed, it was men and women. So it was really, uh, it was easy time. It was just, I was doing time away from, uh, what they call the free world. And, uh, it was, it's just like a world within a world and just meeting people all over the world, doctors, lawyers, senators. And, and, uh, man, I was, I was young and I, I went in and I thought, okay, now what can I do here? You know, met this, um, uh, senator and he helped me get me a time, a time cut on my, uh, sentences that I got, that I received from the judge. And, uh, you know, he called himself liking me, and I thought, man, I'll take him fast, and let me see what I could do with him. I was always thinking about what I could do, what I could use this person for, what can I benefit from this person and this person. But then after a while, uh, I got tired of that. You know, I just wanted to uh, uh, change some of my ways because I, I felt that it, I wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. After I got out of federal prison, I said, okay, so I'm going to catch up with everything that I lost. But you really don't catch up because you never get that time back, you know. And uh, I had children that uh, time was, you know, they was continuing to live and have birthdays. And, and so it affected them as well. But uh, by the grace of God, they, are, they, they dealt with it. And they're still going on and living their life to say, I'll never do what you did, you know. And that's not a bad thing. I, you know, I'm grateful for that. You know, when I, get, you know, well, that last time I got out, I had a made up mind I wasn't gonna ever return because I seen the pain. I had made up in my mind while I was in prison that I wasn't going to return back to that same lifestyle. See, I think that it starts. Well, it started for me when I was in there. Made up mind, I'm done with it. And there was uh, family members were saying, "Ah, she said that before. She'll she'll get back out and do it again. Just a matter of time." But I, I didn't care what they said, because the pain was great enough for me to to stop. I learned a lot of things in prison. Uh, in fact, they used to call me Sunshine. Uh, I guess they saw something in me in that dark place that, you know, maybe they saw some kind of light. I don't know what I was like. And I didn't have blonde hair, so that couldn't have been the reason. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why they called me Sunshine, but uh, I accepted and kept going, and even out here sometimes people will say, Hey Sunshine, and I'll reflect back of when they first when I first had that name Sunshine uh attached to me and it just kinda of blessed me and I smiled, you know. I met a lot of good people in there, had some real good counseling and uh, some therapy in there, the tools that they taught me that I could use once I got out and and, and, and so uh, I was truly blessed because I could have continued to be out here going down the wrong pathway and it could have led me to my death. But by the grace of God, he said, no, I have other plans for you. And, and, and you know, he told me that this, that last time when I had a made of mind, he said, uh, I have other plans for you. And uh, I, but I started to want to change. I wanted to have a different life because I miss my children tremendously. And I knew that in my heart that I was a good mother. I just kind of got out there, you know, and I wanted to be out there because I was so sheltered by uh, my aunt, you know. So when I got out there, boy, I went, wow, ran into a lot of brick walls because of of the trauma and the shame and the pain that I was in that I finally started dealing with. And when it come up, you know, uh, I wanted to to go away. But now I found out I had the tools to uh use when those you know things come up how to how to deal with it
0: and so i dealt with it the way that trauma manifests itself is like different for each and and everybody and most people don't even recognize it like you have a few that do but most people don't (laughs) and some people just be like oh well that's just them that's how they are but it's something Mm -hmm. deeper than that though
1: oh yeah yeah it really is and it can affect you the rest of your life if you don't deal with it Oh, man, I, I just wanted to be free, you know. And uh, I remember when I was uh, uh, in prison uh, that last time, I began to call on my God, my Lord and my Savior. And I began to call on him. I began to search the scriptures and things. And he began to share some things with me. And, and I, my relationship began to grow right there in prison. And I, I'm telling you, uh, got to be with you even in the valley, you know. <laughs> so no. i was so grateful they um at the time that i was uh going in and out of prison and jail uh, it was kind of you know crowded for women you know and so uh this last time they put me on death row because they didn't have no room you know any more room in population but uh, as i was uh living back there on death row i began to to hear God more clear than ever before. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God! It was just a place. It was just so oh eerie. You know, I was just like, whoa. I felt. I mean, you could feel the. You know, the the atmosphere was so sad, so sad. And I would see the roaches and the rats, and and I was like, oh my God, they gotta live like this for the rest of their life, you know. And the Holy Spirit told me, He said, um, if you go back and do what you was doing, this is where you'll be for the rest of your life. Whoa. You know, and so right then I knew that I, I mean, because I knew if I ever went back, I was just going what they say, whole court in the streets. No, I'm not bad, but I knew that if I went back, I was going to go back. So I was going to have a real reason to go back, nothing petty, you know? So I just said, nah, this is just not for me continue to hold on to to the word of god and that's what got me through that's when i began to really seek his face like never before and then and then he would begin to uh reveal some things to me he would uh talk to me like never before and that's how i came to texas because he told me he said you're gonna go back there and uh, i was like i don't know a soul so you know god he'll talk to you if you would just listen you know, he'll he'll talk to you if you just listen to him. He he'll never let you down. He won't he won't leave you in the in the desert by yourself, you know?
0: Right he'll in the <laughs> desert.
1: Bring you some water when you're thirsty. <laughs> yes, he will. So, you know, I'm just grateful for uh at this point in my life, I'm grateful for the journey because now I can help someone else, you know. Uh, I've always said, uh, even in prison, I said, I'm gonna write me a book. I'm gonna write a book and I know it's gonna be a bestseller, you know, but uh, I just haven't sat down to write it, you know, because I've had a lot of trauma, pain, uh, shame, uh, jealousy, abuse. I mean, you know, you